We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is KCSN Update, our daily Chief show and podcast presented by our friends at DraftKings. Little Nugget, Travis Kelsey, gets, I think, at least 40 yards in this game on Sunday. He's not only going to be the fastest tight end in NFL history to 10,000 yards, he will also uh, cross over the 1,000-yard mark for the seventh straight season to continue his streak of the longest in NFL history. I think when he had his fourth straight season, it was the best ever for consecutive 1,000-yard season streaks, and now he's looking at at his seventh to get that done against the Denver Broncos on the road. Thanks for hanging out today. I'm BJ Kissel, former Chiefs reporter, now working with more than 25 others to build a new outlet for Kansas City sports fans here at KC Sports Network. We appreciate you for hanging out with us. Please hit that like and subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. It's Friday, so we are going to be joined by Pro Football Focus's Trevor Sikama to get his thoughts on the three key matchups he's looking forward to going into this game. Let's not waste any more time and let's bring on Trevor right now. And we should mention this episode and all of the KCSN updates are presented by our friends over at DraftKings. All right, Trevor, before I know you live in Cincinnati, and as mm-hmm. much as I, it pains me to do this again, I got in trouble the other day by not asking Brett his thoughts on the game because it was Wednesday and I had already moved on. Mm-hmm. I'll get your thoughts on the Chiefs' loss to the Bengals last week, and then we will quickly move on to talking about the game on Sunday. Yeah, I, I live right downtown in Cincinnati, so I live very close to where the stadium was. And uh, let me tell you, Sunday was wild. I mean, just everybody was out for this game. This is the game that everybody uh, circled on their calendars, whether they were getting to go to it, whether they were tailgating it, whether they were going to a bar, whatever it was. Streets were definitely flooded. They were ready for this one. Look, last week I said I didn't think that there was a team that existed that could beat the Kansas City Chiefs three times in a row. It just did not seem possible in the laws of the universe that I have experienced up to this point. And 
you know, this Kansas City team's got their number. I mean, Lou Anarumo, the defense coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, he just has done a phenomenal job all year long, not just against the Chiefs, but against so many other teams about taking away what they want to do. And once again, he did a good enough job, and he had that defense playing well enough to give an offense like Joe Burrow has and, and the one that the Cincinnati Bengals have had over the last couple of weeks, a chance to outscore a team like Kansas City, and that's what ended up happening. I mean, look, if we if, if stamina didn't exist and we played this game for another eight hours after this, I guarantee it would just be a one-score game the entire time. And, and this game was yeah. always going to come down to who simply had the lead when the clock at zero. That's what it was yeah. going to come down to. That sounds like a uh, like an obvious dub, but... I, I prefaced it with that to just say that like this was going to be back and forth the whole way. These are two of the best teams in the NFL, both tiered no tier one teams, no doubt about it. But uh, an exciting matchup and one that I think we're going to see some emotion in the best way for the Chiefs against the Broncos this coming weekend. Yeah, the margin of error. And we've talked about, I mean, the three losses this year, they've all been by, I think, three points. I think it's like 10 point, nine, 10 points total. I mean, the Chiefs have been right there. And to your point, the game against the Bengals have always been close. But, uh, you know, right when you just talked about the Bengals defensive coordinator, all I had going through my head is the Chiefs need to hire that guy, make him the Chiefs assistant <laughs> defensive coordinator and make him like paid more than anybody else. It's like, like you know how much it's a head coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just you're going to get $12 million a year to not coach the Bengals defense because. They seem to have our number, but um, this is yeah, actually we good. Ad nauseum about that game. I was going to say I like this strategy because you know how, like <laughs> in the NBA and then the NFL, we saw like with the Brock Osweiler trade, where like teams are like, "All right, we'll give you a draft pick just to take this guy off of our books or whatever." Instead, now it's like, "Okay, we're going to pay a lot of money so we don't have to face you anywhere." So it almost like guarantees <laughs> an extra win, maybe the one seed, all of that. That's you know, that's some big brain I'm, stuff, BJ. That's some big brain stuff right there. I stole like it, the original idea. I remember my college baseball coach, quick side story. I remember my college baseball coach when I was at university of central Missouri, before I transferred to K state that he had offered a kid in the Kansas city area who would sign to go to one of our rivals. I won't name any schools or anything that mm -hmm. signed to go to our rivals and they had offered him. But I remember talking with the pitching coach and said like, he's not ready. It's going to be a few years and he might not f ever figure it out. And he was talking to head coach once and I just asked like, why do you offer him? He goes, I don't want to face him in two years. Like if he figures it out, I don't want to go against him. So I'd rather bring him here and see if we can get it figured out. If not, no harm. But if we have to face that kid in two years, it's going to be a problem if he figures it out. So it's, it's brilliant. anyway, brilliant. I do look forward and I, maybe it's just the inherent chief's bias in me. And I will admit that. Um, but I will say I would look forward to the fourth game in this series between the chiefs and Bengals, because if it happens, I hope it happens at Arrowhead because everyone is going to be doubting the chiefs, all national media. It's just going to be talking about how the Bengals dominate own the chiefs and will probably be favored going into Arrowhead. If they play again, it would not surprise me, Trevor, if the Bengals were favored or if it was a pick them, if it was even whatever it is, uh, I think all of that combined will create an atmosphere at Arrowhead that it's going to be FOMO for anyone who's not there. Like that will be a game that it's like, you know what? It's us against the world. And for a team that's had as much success as the Chiefs to set that up, I don't think is a bad thing. There I are, think that go ahead, go ahead. I just I don't think it's a bad thing to have that kind of messaging and to have that kind of chip on your shoulder going into a game with a team that's had as much success as the Chiefs have had. They haven't really had that team that's like, damn, like they really have Buffalo, you know it's a battle, you know, you go back and forth, but you had the 13 seconds game, like you beat them in the playoffs, all this. Like since he ended our season, 
every one of our players said like this is the game we circle like this is the game that we're getting after it and then they went out and played flat especially on the defensive side with some of the stuff that justin reed in the back and forth on social media for the defense to come out and play that way like it was disappointing and i think it sets up for a nice narrative going into hopefully a playoff game at arrowhead between these two teams it's this is becoming a a major rivalry, it, it, whether it's short term or whatever. This game is becoming a massive rivalry, and you don't have many instances that you can ever call the Chiefs underdogs. And if they can even yeah. tell themselves for whatever reason, whether it's a three line, heck, even if it's in Arrowhead, and even if they are favored because Arrowhead's such a great place to play for them, they play so well there. Even if that's the case and they're favored as they probably should be they're still in their head gonna think oh there's people doubting us because we lost three games in a row to this team like they're gonna be able to manufacture that underdog mentality and the underdog mentality is a dangerous one so i'm very fascinated to see if we do get a fourth round of these two teams over the last uh over the next couple of years because uh it's gonna be special well, we know one week they're not going to be an underdog, and that's this Sunday. No, point favorites, depending upon where you look. Um, like the last time I saw DraftKings, it was nine and a half points. Uh, the Chiefs were favored, which is just amazing. I'll never get tired of just talking about how bad the Broncos have been this season because of all the things that were said in the offseason when they got Russell Wilson and they got Randy Gregory and they had all these receivers coming back and they were going to be the team that was going to knock the Chiefs off. If it wasn't the Chargers, everybody's gotten tired of picking the Chargers for the last seven years to win the division. And so they'd moved on to the Broncos and they still can't get it done. And the Chiefs can win the AFC West division this week with a win and a Chargers loss, which is a beautiful thing. But I want to know your three key matchups. Let's start. Uh, for on the Chiefs, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Talk a little Patrick Mahomes, his sure. Broncos defense. What's that first matchup you're looking forward to on Sunday? Yeah, they haven't beat the Broncos since 2015. Did I read that right? Is that what it's since the, 2015? The Chiefs haven't lost to the Broncos. They've won 13 oh, yeah, that's, straight. Yeah, that's that, that's what I meant to say. The, the The Chiefs have not lost to the Broncos since 2015. That's uh, absolutely crazy. I don't think that streak ends this weekend. I don't think that we're going to see anything different. Um, the Chiefs should absolutely be favored by double digits if they're not already. I think that that's a good line for it. And, you know, it, I think the key matchups for this game, if you're going to find anything that might make this one close, competitive, um, it would probably be the Broncos' pressure up front on their defensive side of the football. We have talked about the offensive tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs struggling. Uh, I have a, a little update because I feel like I've said this a couple of times on the show this year already, talking about Andrew Wiley and, or, and Orlando Brown Jr., the offensive tackles for the Chiefs. And I've said, you know, at different times in the season, they've either been bottom 15 They've both been bottom 15 in terms of pressures allowed. Sometimes they've been bottom 10. Well, BJ, right now... They're bottom five. They're both bottom five. These are the number three and number four overall players in the NFL who have given up the most pressures so far this season. Not ideal. You're going up against a team that is fourth in total pressures in the Denver Broncos. Now, granted, Randy Gregory had a lot of those earlier in the season, and obviously he hasn't played much since then at all, actually. And then Bradley Chubb, he had 30 pressures for the Broncos. They traded him at the trade deadline. So those two guys aren't in there, but there's a lot of other players for the Broncos that were they're not going to be at the top of the pressure statistical category as a group, they're playing really, really well. And they're able to get after the quarterback. They're able to affect the quarterback. So even though there's not necessarily an individual matchup that I can point to, I will say that just as a team, 
the Broncos seem to have a knack for knocking quarterbacks off of uh, their comfort zone, if you will. Draymond Jones, I think, leads the team with 44 pressures from the interior. Um, I like how versatile he's been able to be um, as a defensive end, as an interior player. So I think that that's going to be advantageous for them. Their linebackers, too, Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell, they've been playing really well this season, specifically as blitzing players, going towards the pocket. Both those guys, above 20% pass rush win rate. Now, of course, they're in favorable situations when they are pass rushing because they are often blitzing. So you're trying to get an advantage there, but still having both of those guys above 20% on a pass rush win percentage, you got to figure they're going to be thrown at the pocket quite a bit to try to rattle Mahomes. Now I know the deal is, Hey, don't blitz Mahomes or he's going to kill you, but that might be the Broncos only recipe for success. I'm very interested to see that feels like it's been a bread and butter. The pressure packages that they've had this year is Giro Evero, their defensive coordinator, going to continue to do that? Or is he going to let his guys sit back a little bit? Which goes into my second point, which we'll get to in a second. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I don't like to hear that stuff about how they're struggling uh but i was just looking this up because it's very curious when i said how long it's been since the seahawks uh, excuse me since the broncos had beaten the chiefs it was nine only nine i was hoping it was before but it was nine months after russell wilson in the super bowl and that play mm-hmm. at the goal line that's how long it had been the last time the broncos had beat the chiefs was nine months after it was the next season but it was week two that thursday night game um both Jerry Judy and Pat Sertan Jr. were in high school <laughs> the last time that the Broncos beat the Chiefs. So I, I had to look up those nuggets because, like, you know what? Those guys are young, and it's been five years yeah. uh, since they had beaten them. So, yeah, it it 
it's something for the last couple of years. I know all the Broncos players and coaches have been asked about it. Derek Wolf, uh, who used to play for the Broncos a um, number of years, uh, got really angry a lot of times and was asked because I'm so sick of Kansas City. <laughs> he hated, <laughs> I, he hated bet, he goes, I like he goes, I like Kelsey because they're Cincinnati connection. He goes, mm -hmm. I hate the rest of them. I can't stand them. So it'll be nice to keep that up. But they're going to have to block and the tackles are going to have to play better locally. A lot of the talk this week has been about Orlando Brown Jr. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I hadn't thought of it in terms of, we'd always had the discussions in terms of Orlando Brown Jr. bet on himself. He's not playing very well. Uh, left tackle is not the easiest position to go find a premier guy in free agency. You can't really count on your roster building uh, philosophy or plan to count on one for the draft because it's after free agency and after any of the top free top tier guys are already gone. Uh, but the offensive line has they've got to figure it out. And Orlando, the idea was the best thing that ever happened to the Chiefs was Orlando Brown Jr. not signing the deal that was originally offered to him at $25 million a year, $20 right. million a year, whatever that was. Right. Um, right. With some of those, you know, big years baked in on the end of it. But uh yeah, that will continue to be a discussion that uh I'm sure we will hopefully not have to have every week about how the tackles are struggling and Mahomes is making plays in spite of how much he's running around. But Let's move on to your next key matchup in this game. And I know it's, um, you know, not always an obvious one when talking about, you know, Patrick Mahomes, the passing game and, and mm -hmm. what they like to do. But uh, you saw or you are interested in a particular facet uh, of the Broncos defense and how they've, I guess, struggled in certain areas. Yeah. And uh, look, you, you mentioned at the top of the show, what was it? Travis Kelsey gets 40 more yards. He's over a thousand, right? And that'll make it seven in a row. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to hit <laughs> that. Not just because of what I'm about to say, but also you go back to last week, Travis Kelsey is a hyper competitive human being. You do not get to have the success that you have in this league at the very top of your sport and your craft. If you are not hyper competitive. I bet he didn't sleep for like three straight days because of that fumble. I bet he, I mean, you could see now I felt bad for him because they kept panning to him on the sideline and he kept having this almost like dead faced pan where he just, I'm sure that's all he could think about is him losing that fumble. And even in that game, his final stat line was six targets, four receptions, 56 yards. So it's not like he was having a takeover performance and, you know, going into the week, it was the Cincinnati Bengals. It was, it was, it was a massive game. It's a team that's beat you twice in a row, including going back to the playoffs. And in fact, you remember what it was like on that field, watching a receiver like Jamar Chase on the other side, have an absolute takeover, takeover performance and win it for you. I, I guarantee that's what Travis Kelsey was trying to envision when he went into this game. So not only was the production not as good as he thought it was going to be, but then he had the fumble. And, and I think that that's something yeah. that's absolutely haunting him. And um, they're going to need him to snap back to reality. And I think they have the structure there. They have the trust and they, they have the locker room. They have the coaching staff to be able to get him to snap back. And I think that we're going to see an absolutely monster game from him. And hmm. you go to the other side of things. And I think the Broncos defense also lends itself to a little bit of a bounce back or revenge game or whatever you want to call it for Kelsey Broncos defense versus covering just tight ends this year, 59.8 coverage grade. Now remember that's out of a hundred. So that's hmm. not great. That is only yeah. 12th in the NFL so it's not like it's terrible it seems like the league overall is struggling covering tight ends because they're becoming such great mismatch players but it, looking at it like that a 59.8 overall grade in coverage is is not ideal they're kind of middle of the pack when it comes to EPA per pass when defending against tight ends so they're right around the middle which I think 
still makes them susceptible given how successful it is. They've given up 62 receptions to tight ends this year, which is the 11th most in the NFL, so almost bottom 10 in that category. Their two best coverage players, according to our grades, when matched up with tight ends or when when tight ends are getting targets and catches, are their safeties. And that makes me think that they're kind of playing a little bit further back with their safety. So they're, that, that makes sense with them allowing a lot of receptions to tight ends. But when it comes to total overall yards and touchdowns against tight ends, they are better. They're in the top half of the league. In some categories, they're in the top 10. So they seem to be able to clamp down on the explosive plays with tight ends. But this could be a heavy, targeted, high catch number game for Travis Kelsey, where I think he's going to get somewhere around 100 yards. But it might not be the, oh, they throw it to him and he runs wild after that. That just doesn't seem to be how the Broncos' defense is structured. But uh, I think it can be a really great day overall for them, especially tacking over the middle of the field, given how susceptible they've been and the low grades that they've had when covering tight ends in general. So I think they're going to keep things in front of them, the Broncos' defense, that is. But there's going to be some soft defense for the tight ends and for Travis Kelsey to get his stuff done. Yeah, I think it's one of the important things, and, and we've harped on it, so people have probably um, have heard me say this on these shows uh, so far this week, is that you know we've spent so much time as Chiefs fans just making fun of the Broncos because of the Russell Wilson trade, and it's the worst trade in NFL history and all these things, that when you look at this matchup, a lot of them not taking it very seriously, and that the Chiefs should win this game, not saying that, but they're de- the Broncos' defense isn't just an okay defense. I know they're not Bradley Chubb anymore, but they have been very, very good. They're a top-five scoring defense, I think top-five in yards given up. They're a very solid team, and so uh, I don't know if this is going to be a game where the Chiefs go out and put up 40 points. Granted, I've said that against the game against the Bucks. <laughs> I said that going into the game against the 49ers, two really good defenses that didn't expect the Chiefs to come out on fire. But I don't think the Chiefs are not going to win this game, but it might not be that 40-point. Every Chiefs fans not, might not be feeling awesome after this game just because they may have struggles against the team that in general from a mm-hmm. high level they're thinking isn't very good. Because like, how can we only score 24 points or 27 points? Broncos have given up more than 20 points only three times this season. And no, they're not the greatest schedule in the world, but this is still the NFL and they're still doing pretty well. I think I looked up, they'd be eight and four uh, if they scored at least 18 points. <laughs> in their game just, season it's just amazing and 18 points uh, 18 points is i think like five points lower than league average like if they're if, yeah. if they score league average they're probably i mean it might be nine and three i don't know what the numbers would be but like that's just that's it's it's a wild stat to say if you just scored 18 points per game you would be yeah. eight and four that and two of the games that they gave up more than 20 points were the raiders games those were the two and then i think carolina was the other one which was just random uh, for Carolina to figure it out in that one. And that was a Christian McCaffrey less. Uh, that was PJ Walker. Right. right. More than 20 points in that game. Right. Uh, total, but uh, anyway, let's move on to your final uh, matchup that you're interested in watching uh, in this game on Sunday. Again, we're talking with pro football focuses, Trevor Sikama with his three key matchups for the chiefs and Broncos on Sunday. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, Denver's offense. We yeah. talked about the defense. We talked about the Chiefs' offensive tackles. We talked about covering Travis Kelsey or their lack of uh, covering tight ends so far this year. So great to hear. And I looked it up. It's exactly 32 yards that he needs to hit 1,000 for this season. And then I think it's less than that to go over 10,000 for his career. And I think because he didn't do it against the Bengals, it'd be 37 games faster than mm. any other tight end in NFL wow. history, which right now is – Uh, Tony Gonzalez, which is crazy. That's two full seasons that he hit 10,000 yards faster than the next best tight end, uh, which would be probably the second 
best tight end in NFL history in Tony Gonzalez. So yeah, that's let's, just, uh, amazing. Let's talk a little Russell Wilson and uh, the Broncos offense. Cause this is gonna be my favorite part of the show. <laughs> um, my <laughs> final, my final point here is just let Denver's offense be Denver's offense. And, and you're going to win the football game. I mean, like the, you, you kind of are joking around saying like, Oh, is it the worst trade of all time? I it might be, I, you know, I, it's way too early to say that, but Holy cow for what they gave up for Russell Wilson, for how crippling his contract is, if they don't turn it around and get better. Now, you know, you mentioned the silver lining. If you just score a little bit more, all of a sudden things don't look as catastrophic. They look a lot right. better. So perhaps there is a bounce back coming for the Denver Broncos next year, but I don't expect, expect anything to really come to life in the uh in the latter portions of this season especially this Sunday. Denver's offense is averaging 13.8 points per game. That would be the worst mark by any team in the NFL since the 2000 Cleveland Browns which averaged 10.1 yards per game. So that's what we're talking about here. We're not just talking about a bad offense. We are talking about a historically bad offense, less than 14 points per game. They have the worst red zone offense in the NFL at just 37 0.5% on the flip side to give you guys some context the number one teams in the NFL or the top five they're all above 70 this team is below 40 when scoring touchdowns in the red zone they are absolutely putrid in the area that wins the most uh the current best scoring offense in the NFL is the Kansas City Chiefs and they have only failed to score 20 points once this season while the Broncos mm. have scored more than 16 points just twice so if you just let these teams be these teams they are it's going to even it out it's going to be a good day for Kansas City Chiefs fans Russell Wilson you mentioned he's at the center of it um I don't think there's any way around it and I don't think there's much pushback to this this is the worst season of his career uh even outside of the less than ideal circumstances just individually for him this is the worst season of his career it didn't look good in his final season with Seattle it's looking even worse now he's got 17 big time throws and 11 turnover worthy plays according to our database Russ has always been a guy who's thrown a lot of turnover worthy plays but he's made up for it by having a lot of big time throws. He's a guy who consistently when he's at his best, he's throwing, you know, 35, 40, low 40, something that kind of a number of big time throws. He's only sitting here at 17. Meanwhile, he's over with turnover worthy plays and you, he, he could easily get above 15. He might even get in the twenties by the time the year is over. So it's just the ratio and the percentage of big time throws and turnover replays are so off this year. And even as a rusher, right? Russell Wilson has always been this guy where, Hey, if you turn your back to him and you're playing man coverage, he's going to take off and he's going to pick up first downs on you. That's been a weapon with his legs over the last couple of years. Four, 4.3 yards per carry average, which could be a career low. It wouldn't quite be his career low, but he's close to it. Only seven explosive rushing plays of 10 yards or more this year. Seven. That's it. This is a guy who normally averages like 20, 25. So he's not the same weapon. Wow. He is not the same weapon with his arm, with his legs, or with his eyes. It's just it. nothing is going well for the Denver Broncos offense right now. Nathaniel Hackett relinquished his play calling duties earlier in the season, but it does not seem to be getting better after that. The Broncos offense is an absolute mess right now. And if the Chiefs just, I mean, essentially, if the Chiefs just don't go out there like they're playing with a red card and they've got one less player on defense, other than that, there's nothing that really gives me faith in the Broncos to outscore a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. It's so amazing to hear that the big play numbers being so down because I know Tim Patrick got hurt and mm-hmm. we've joked here the last week that Tim Patrick was the key to the whole thing. You get Tim Patrick, like everything was going to be okay, but you've got Cortland Sutton. I'm not saying that this is T Higgins and Jamar Chase, but as far as like talent around you, you had Jerry Judy, who has been bad. If he was on any other team, he would be a Brett Veach trade target and underperforming first round pick <laughs> compared to what we thought. I thought he was going to be an absolute stud. Yep. I same. thought he was going to be the guy. So at him at that point, you had KJ Hamler, you had Tim Patrick, Corland Sutton, just being an absolute beast. And you have these weapons and then Russell Wilson. So my question for you, and it's kind of a, a layered um, kind of a deep question, but do you think that the Broncos struggles are because of the combination of Hackett and Russell Wilson. Because the reason I'm asking this, and it's a little bit more context, uh, was doing pregame for 101 The Fox, uh, for the Fox Football Radio Show with Jeb Putzier, who is a former Broncos tight end. Been in a couple different teams with uh, in the league. He was talking about he just don't, doesn't think that Russell Wilson was developed very well and that Pete Carroll, the way that they taught him, kind of hid some of his flaws. Now he gets into a different West Coast or a West Coast system and the language is different. The whole reads are different and it's not something he's ever been taught to do. So my question is, do you think their struggles are because of the combination of the two? And if Russell Wilson was with a different team and a different coach and Hackett had a different quarterback that independently of each other, they could have success. It's just the combination of them doesn't work because there are examples of that across the league where it's like they just it doesn't work when they're together, but you separate them and it could be successful. Now, they're not going to be able to separate, um, at least in terms of obviously the Broncos having success with the decisions they made to bring these two guys in together because uh, the way the contracts are structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you think that it's more the combination of them and the lack of development? Or do you think it's just Russ is washed and Hackett doesn't know what he's doing? The other, uh, I think it's he knows maybe maybe not as harsh as the latter, but I feel like the latter is becoming more and more, or at least closer to the truth. Like, let's be honest, Denver Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett to lure Aaron Rodgers. They did. I I, I fully believe that because the year prior, you remember during the yeah. draft, we were hearing. All of a sudden, like the week before the draft, the news came out that like Rodgers was not happy. Rodgers was not happy in Green Bay. Maybe there's a trade yeah. on the table. Maybe he's going to retire. And I think I think the team that was the most in on that, because let's face it, 
when Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport tweeted out or whatever, any of the first time NFL teams are hearing about this, right? They're talking mm -hmm. all the time. They had known that Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy. They had known that Aaron Rodgers either was or wasn't available. They've, they've all been scheming behind the scenes because that's what good teams do. They've got incredible intel. They're way ahead of the game. I really believe that Rodgers tried to kind of force the narrative there because there was something that would have been in place if he wasn't happy to get him to Denver. That's what I believe. Now, I, that's obviously still speculation, but just putting the pieces together, I felt yeah. like Denver would have been that play in the 2021 draft when all this kind of started. Yeah. I think a year later, the Broncos knew they'd be in a situation where they didn't have to trade for Aaron Rodgers and they could have just lured him via free agency. I think they mm -hmm. get Hackett to come on board to try to get Aaron Rodgers to come on board. That fails. And ultimately, I think that that's why we're where we are because then they go, okay, plan B, we'll trade for Russell Wilson. They get Russell Wilson in there. And I, I, it, it's always tricky doing this. But I wonder if there really is something to, does the locker room love Russell Wilson? Maybe they do. Mm -hmm. I'm an outsider. I don't live in Denver. I don't cover this team. I'm not in the locker room myself. But after listening to how Seattle Seahawks former players have since talked about Russell Wilson since he has left. Uh, yeah. Some current players who have kind of made little remarks here and there. When Mike Purcell gets in your face and screams at you on the sideline, it sure don't look like him just saying, let's go, right? As they yeah. said after the game, is there really something to a lot of these frustrations getting worse because do they even believe in this combination themselves? So you mentioned how the margin, if they just score 18 points per game, how much better this team is. Well, maybe yeah. it's truly all of these catastrophic things that come down on a three and nine record that we see. So I think it's a lot of stuff. And to your point, yeah. we've seen so many times before a quarterback changes location, a head coach changes location, and things go well for him. Sometimes a change of scenery is definitely needed. It feels yeah. like this is not a combination that's going to work in Denver. It really just does not. And so that's kind of where my thoughts are on all of that. It, it's because we had this conversation with, uh, with Jeb uh, Putzier, who I was just mentioning earlier as well, saying he was talking about when he was playing and times are a little bit different, but when he was playing, you know, the court, the teams that he won that were good and the situations that were good, the quarterback, they spent, these guys spent so much time together that he was like, when a quarterback comes and has beers with the guys after the game or goes to, um, you know, Freddie teaser tanners is what Jeb was saying. But like when, after a game got quarterback goes and has a beer with you, hangs out with the guys, it's not going to make him throw the ball any better, but it's going to bring the team together a little bit more. It's hard. It's a hard thing to articulate, but any of us who've been around teams that are close, see that it's not just, they practice hard. They play hard. It's that they have relationships that are deeper than the number of hours they're between the white lines together. Um, but I heard a rumor that, you know, Russell Wilson has his own space in the locker. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's his own space in the locker room. Jeb said that Russell Wilson's not the guy that's going to go have beers with his teams after the game. He's going to go have sushi. He's going to go have wine. And he's like, that just doesn't gel with a lot of people. And so the context was when I heard the story that, you know, only half the team came to his birthday party and everybody made a big deal and was using it to make fun of him. Hey, people have things to do. Like mm. Everybody's got families. They got a lot of stuff going on, but half the team still showed up for as much as we've been talking about, like, how bad things are half right. the team still showed right. up reportedly to all that's of this. So like, that's not bad, but still, if you're not relatable in that way uh, with your teammates, it might not be bad, but it's not ever going to get repaired if it's not good. 
like if it starts going south a little bit, there's nothing to grasp onto to hold onto it. And to bring it back to that episode of New Heights, Travis Kelsey's podcast, where he's talking to Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey said one of the things that one of the reasons that they got like hit it right off the bat and became uh, friends was that how relatable Mahomes was and how he handled the situation as a rookie when he came in and Alex Smith was there and it was Alex's team, this young guy that they knew was the future, but he handled it the right way. He was just mm -hmm. a cool dude. He could get along with anybody and was genuine about it and wasn't, you know, faking or wasn't doing any of these things that we've heard people criticize Russell Wilson for being. And so, and again, never talked to him. Don't know. We're all going off things that at least I'm going off things that we've heard, things that we've read. And I always think back to, Robert Klemko, uh, when he was covering the NFL, he wrote a piece, and I'll never forget, just called Quarterback Over Culture. And it was about the Seattle situation to trade some of those defensive guys and lean into the quarterback based on some of the internal things that were going on. And the more that we hear now about what it was in Seattle, the more I think about that piece that Robert wrote, being like, man, he hit it right on the head a few years ago uh, for anyone that wants to go back and read that story or whatever about kind of how it fractured the locker room in a lot of ways. But all right. Trevor, let's get a prediction before we let you go on this game between the Chiefs and the Broncos on Sunday afternoon in Denver. Again, we're talking with Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. I'm torn. I'm torn between giving Isjiro Evero his due as defensive coordinator of the Broncos. He's doing a fantastic job this season. And knowing that the Chiefs are basically going to show absolutely no mercy to this Broncos team as a divisional <laughs> rival, that they're not going to take it easy on, that they're coming off an emotional loss with the Bengals. I'll say 27 to 10 is the final score. Of this game, the Chiefs win 27 to 10. Sort of I had predicted 27 13 the other day. Oh, so we are all right, there we go. pretty close there. You're going to hit the under and you're going to cover uh, based on the numbers that you just gave with that nine and a half. And I think the over under is like 43 and a half. So, all right. Appreciate everybody for tuning in to this episode of KCS and Update. I know there's a lot of great places to get your Chiefs content. We appreciate being one of them. Trevor, before we let you go, a uh, mm -hmm. little tease for It's Just Football, your daily podcast at Pro Football Focus. What, a, what are you excited to talk about today and where can people find it and what do you guys do there? Oh, man, we're having a lot of fun on It's Just Football. It's a daily show on PFF's YouTube at 11 a.m. Me and Mike Renner host it and, and – it's it's a blast. Fridays especially, we do bracketology. You know, like everybody loves the Marsh Madness thing with bracketology, but we do it with the NFL. So, you know, we'll tell you who we think is going to make the playoffs, the percentages, the roads, the schedules, all that stuff. So that's a, that's a blast. But also, we're turning the pages and draft as well in the middle of the week as well as recapping all the games too. So, uh, yeah. Curious to know what your thoughts are on the Chiefs still getting that one seed because as much as the, the Bengals have their number, the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Bills, they've got tougher schedules going down the stretch than the Kansas city chiefs do. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is still right there for the chiefs to get the one seed. Um, obviously it's, it's tough relinquishing that top spot to the bills who now obviously control their destiny, though they have a tougher road. Chiefs have the easiest schedule in the NFL moving forward. Certainly would not be surprised if the chiefs were at the top when it was all said and done. I think they're probably going to be my betting favorite, not to give away the show or anything, but I think I'm probably going to have them at number one. And you know what I'm going to leave this show with and how we're going to end this show is the last time you and I were recording and your dog in the background was going nuts. You predicted something <laughs> that absolutely came true and you just predicted the Chiefs to get the one seed. So your dog is giving you the info of the Chiefs will end up with the one seed. 
So, all right, man. We'll Trevor, roll with it. Much. We'll roll with it. <laughs> Trevor from Pro Football Focus, man. Always appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll have more content getting you ready for Chiefs Broncos on Sunday afternoon. Make sure to hit that follow button if you're listening on the podcast. Hit like and subscribe on YouTube. We appreciate all of you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.